Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. It is a Thursday edition of the show. That means we are getting closer and closer to the Bucks' next game against the New Orleans Saints. Going to be a very exciting one, of course, as we... Uh, find out if the Bucks can end the streak. You know, it's been tough sledding going up against the New Orleans Saints, except for that coveted playoff game against the New Orleans Saints. So uh, I'm your host, Matt Matera. And right now, I am going solo dolo. J.C. Allen will be joining me in just a little bit. He's actually on his way home from traffic where uh, we were at the Bucks facility today. So uh, a lot of good stuff that we got into from this first practice, of course. Um, Tom Brady spoke today. He returned to practice after having the day off Wednesday. Byron Leftwich, I felt, was very insightful. Sometimes it's kind of hit or miss when it comes to getting Byron uh, up at the podium. Sometimes it's a little generic. But he gave good insight this time, especially uh, a lot about the struggles in the red zone and where they need to be more efficient when they go and play against the uh, New Orleans Saints this Sunday. So uh, JC is going to join us in just a moment. And in the meantime, I do want to talk to you guys about Celsius Energy Drinks, the providing sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. We love Celsius for so many different reasons. Number one, the variety of flavors. Um, you got the, you see the vibes right there, the Arctic Tropical and Peach vibe. You got the Cucumber. You got the orange, the cola, kiwi, what is there? Oh, Fuji apple. That was the one I was trying to think of. So uh, a lot of different flavors there. The strawberry lemonade is great as well. Seven essential vitamins and essential energy to get you through your day, whether it's a workout or getting through a work day. And of course, another thing that's so great is that it's a healthy energy drink. It doesn't give you that post-energy drink jitters or that crash that others do. Uh, that's not the case with Celsius. Uh, so go to the store locator, find out where you can get a Celsius near you because it is all over the place. I can go down the block and, uh, you know, go get a Celsius if I wanted to or buy them in bulk on Amazon. Uh, Celsius energy drinks. You can get the variety pack, my personal favorite, because variety is the spice of life. Uh, you can set it up every two weeks, three weeks, whatever you want it. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks. That's Celsius hashtag live fit. All right. JC has joined us now. Hello, JC. How are you? I'm uh, doing, doing great. Um, you know, another day closer to football uh, being played on Sunday, uh, Saturday. If you're into that Thursday night game tonight. Yeah. I, I love it when football's back. So nothing to complain about. Yeah. We should uh, tell everyone as well that we will have a guest on this afternoon, about 10 minutes from now, around 4.15, we will be joined by former NFL wide receiver Terrence Copper. Uh, Terrence played his college football at ECU, that's Eastern Carolina University, uh, played with the Cowboys, Saints, Ravens, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he currently has a Saints podcast on the Believe Network uh, that he is a co-host on. So we're going to get his insight a little bit on the Saints now that he watches them up close and personal, a little more detail about, uh, you know, the bitter rival 
of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But, JC, we were at the facility today, spoke to Tom Brady, spoke to Byron Leftwich, and wasn't the most surprising thing because I think we all could have collected it. But when you hear it from the goat's mouth, it obviously uh, bears a little more truth than uh, if other people say it. But I think the common theme, and we can ask Terrence about this too, the common theme in the Bucs struggles with the Saints in the regular season, and again, they haven't won since you know Ryan Fitzpatrick was the starting quarterback. Right. It really feels like it was the turnovers that right. ha- has been the the main. If you were going to give it a headline, that would be the main title. Right. I think if you look at the the consistencies between the games they won and the game they the games they've lost and the game they won, it's been turnovers. Uh, you look at that that uh, divisional round. They had multiple turnovers, the forced fumble, the uh, you know interceptions by Devin White and my, and Sean Murphy bunting, and then you look at the on the flip side on those losses, you know ball security has been an issue for for the for the Bucks, whether that's fumbles, whether that's interceptions. Um, if they can hone that in and, and play the game that that they're capable of playing, and that's what what Tom was talking about, you know, if we're playing the game we know we can play, and we're not turning the ball over, and we're not making uh, you know, stupid penalties and, and making mistakes in that way. You know, there's no reason why we can't beat anybody. Um, but for some reason of the, or another, it just seems like the Saints uh, find a way to get under Brady's skin and under this, uh, and are able to figure out this offense. And while they've got a new head coach, <laughs> the head coach is their defensive coordinator who's been there yeah. to disciple <laughs> this team. So it's not like you know, it, it's not like they're losing anything in that sense either. Yeah, and Brady was asked about that. It was actually the first question he was asked about, and he said, that's the thing that probably jumps out the most, turnovers. They're a very physical team. He's talking about the Saints here. I think they beat us up physically. It's just a tough, hard-nosed team. They're well-coached. They got a lot of good players. They kind of had a winning organization for a long time. They know how to get the job done. They've had a great core of players that have been there for a long time. It's a tough environment to play, but... You play good teams on the road, you got to go play well. The last couple of times we played them, we haven't done a good job. And then he goes on to say, a couple of questions later, I think it's just understanding why we're losing those games. There's a reason why in each game you can look at them and look at why we won and why we lost and the one time we beat them. Uh, It's got to be good football on offense, defense, and special teams. They're too good of a team to think that you can win one phase and win the game. It's a challenge because they're well-coached. They're in position to do well. They have a lot of good players. A lot of guys have been together, playing together for a long time. Kind of repeating what he initially said. Uh, They don't make many mistakes. They make you earn everything. Every third down is important. Every kicking situation is important. Every third down in the red area is important. Turnovers are important. It's a lot of things that lead to winning and losing, and obviously we haven't done a good job in that in the regular season. We're going to have to play a lot better if we expect to win. Now, I don't necessarily think the Bucs have to play a perfect game. No. But another thing Brady went to go on and say is that they can't get into a, and I'm putting quotations here even though Brady's up on the screen, they can't get into a pass-a-thon. Uh, right. If they get into that with the Saints, they're not going to end up winning. But as we found out and continue to learn as the season goes on, uh, the Bucks are going to be run first. They're going to be run heavy, and I think eventually they will spread things out. Yeah, I think it, if you look at it, that's the way to beat this. You can't Saints team. You can't let them just, um, you know, play play back in coverage and come after you. 
uh, with four and have success doing it because they have a, a really solid, really good offensive line that's going to be able to get after after Brady if they're just pinning their ears back because they know it is a pass-a-thon. So, you know, I, I think the running game is going to be so important and, and you know, Len- Leonard Fournette is going to be such a huge part of that. We saw him in the locker room. Didn't look like he was too banged up, but he is dealing with a hamstring injury, and I expect him to play. Um, but even if it does, you know, if, if it becomes a pass-a-thon, and you, you get behind early and you have to throw it to, you know, that with the injuries the Bucks are, are facing right now with their wide receiving corps puts so much more onus on being able to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, tire them out. We heard, you know, uh, Trisha Worth talking about it yesterday. You know, you tire, it tires them out, get them physical. At, at the end of the game, they were just stop, drop and rolling <laughs> just, just to, just to get, get, uh, you know, done with Leonard Fournette coming at them. So, and you know the injury report just came out, and, yep. and you know there is a there's a name on there who looks like he's regressing. Yeah, from, let's uh, you know. let's get to the injury report in a, in a moment. But you did reference Tristan Wirfs, what he said in the locker room. We'll play it again just for anyone that missed yesterday's show and didn't see it. Here's here's Tristan Wirfs talking about the the importance of running the ball and how great Leonard Fournette has been. There's a couple other questions in there mixed in, but uh, you know you y- you get the uh, the main cause of what he's talking about. Yeah, it, it, that's what Coach Bulls was saying the other day. Um, you know, it's not a rivalry unless there's some give and take. So, you know, hopefully we can, you know, give it back to him and, and you know, get it back to a to a, a real rivalry. But yeah, we did get him when it counted. You know, my rookie year. Um, but you know, we see him twice a year every year. So, got to have some some back and forth at least. But they only had, they, they didn't have a single sack of Marcus Mariota against the the Falcons. They did have one quarterback hit. Was that surprising to you at all? Because they're they're a pretty tough group. Of yeah, they, they they're a good defensive front. You know, their front four is they're big strong guys. So. Um, you know, that's, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to keep 12 safe um, back there. And, you know, it's our goal to come off Sunday and, and, and hopefully shut them down. That yeah, how much awesome. how much can you help neutralize that pass rush by running the ball more, especially oh considering, God. like, how effective you guys were in the first game on Sunday night? Yeah, I think running the ball, like, the more we run the ball, kind of the more it tires, like, tires them out and we kind of, I don't like, kind of pound on them a little bit. Um, I think as a defensive end or defensive lineman, that's what you get paid to do is rush the quarterback. So, you know. It's nice, and we, you know, if they're if we're throwing the ball a ton, like that's what we're just playing into their hands. So, you know, hopefully we get, you know, get the ball moving, and, and that's on us up front too. Um, you know, we got to give them the opportunity to, to call those plays and um, uh, get us those opportunities. So it's going to be, it's going to be on. I think I think a lot of the game is going to be on, you know, the offensive line, and we're going to hopefully step up to the challenge. And it seems like you wore out. It seems like you. You know, I think it's a big thing. You know, Lenny Lenny carries the rock like a freaking like a horse. So. Um, you know, that's what we want to do. It just all it does is help us. You know, it kind of slows down their pass rush, and you know, that's what these guys are. These guys this coming week are good at. So, um, you know, I think the more we can, you know, hit the ground running, it'll be better for everybody. A horse, huh? Yeah. Oh my gosh, he's 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 crazy. He's so strong. He just runs people like they didn't want to tackle him at the end of the game. Like they're like, no, they're just falling on the ground. Uh, somebody said like. They were like acting like they're on fire. They stopped dropping and rolling in front of them. So, well, Michael Parsons too. You see that block that he put on him? Yeah, that, that was a good chip. That was a really good chip. Um, I seen all that beef too on Twitter about it. Um, I was like, if, if they don't want to get rid of chip blocks, then they should stop running twist games. It's the same thing. So, but it is what it is. You know, Lenny was running hard, and you know, hopefully we can do the same thing for him this week. How tough is Tom? Very fun answers from Twist, Tristan Wirfs there, uh, talking about the run game and and Leonard Fournette. Tom Brady went on to compliment Fournette as well, uh, talking about Sunday night's game. He said he was great. The line was great. The receivers blocked well, and it was good communication. We're going to need that all year. It was a great way to start. 
We got to continue to build on it. And this is a good team to do that against because you got to stay really balanced against these guys. I don't think you can turn it into a pass-a-thon. I mentioned that before. So stay balanced and be really efficient in what we're doing up front. Uh, JC, I do want to ask you about the Saints run defense in just a moment. Um, but we did just talk about the, the injury report. So here it is. Uh, Tom Brady was a full participant after having the day off. Mike Evans was downgraded to did not participate with a calf injury. But we did speak to him in the locker room today. Typically, they don't really give you guys that are injured and won't be playing uh, in the locker room. So uh, downgraded, but you know we'll, we'll see how it looks tomorrow. Leonard Fournette, once again, limited with the hamstring. Russell Gage upgraded to limited participation. If you saw our tweets earlier, we had pictures of him practicing. So that was kind of a given with the hamstring. Uh, Chris Goblin was still out with the hamstring injury. Julio Jones with the knee did not participate for the second day in a row. So that's another thing that we'll definitely have to monitor for uh, tomorrow's practice. Zion McCollum finally made his return. He was limited in practice today, uh, obviously dealing with the hamstring injury for quite a while. Rashad Perriman with the knee was limited again. Donovan Smith was out for the second day in a row. And Tristan Wurst was once again limited in participation. Uh, for the Saints, no change for cornerback Paulson Adebo. He was out with an ankle injury. Mark Ingram with an ankle was limited. Cam Jordan was limited. Alvin Kamara went from limited to did not participate as he deals with a rib injury. Marcus May upgraded to full participation after an ankle. Uh, Traquan Smith limited. Lante Taylor limited. Uh, Calvin Throckmorton upgraded to full participation after an illness. Dwayne Washington limited Jameis still limited with the back injury and Landon Young also limited with a uh, hip injury. So I don't know on that injury list. I would say the most concerning, obviously Donovan Smith without question, but after Donovan Smith, JC, if we're under the assumption that Chris Godwin just isn't playing, I think Julio Jones is, is something that you have to, have to keep an eye out for. And we don't know because it's just early in the season and it's Julio's first year with the Bucs. We don't totally know if this is by design and it's just like, hey, we're just going to make sure you're healthy every single week. So we're not going to have you practice. Or if he really did get banged up in that first game. I mean, obviously he had the diving play on the huge 48 yard reception. There was another deep ball that he almost made the catch that he dove on. I uh, had a screen pass, the end around. So he was getting hit a little bit. Um, do you think Julio is probably the biggest concern there outside of Donovan Smith? Uh, I think Mike Evans is, you know, you look at, you know, Mike Evans, you know, yes, he did talk to the media, but did not participate. What does that mean? Is it something that they're just, we're not going to put him out there because he, he'll, you know, we don't want to put more stress on whatever it, the calf injury that he's dealing with. Um, but if he can't go, I mean, that's a huge hole. Now you're dealing with Mike Evans not on the field. Chris Goblin, most likely not on the field. I think Brashad Perriman will be back. He was in good spirits in the locker room playing that, I don't know, what's that, pop game or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> playing. I, I, I get sucked in watching them play. But I think Mike Evans is the biggest name to watch. Like, if he can't go, that takes away uh, a reliable target for Brady. Now, I know he hasn't had great success in games other than, you know, in the red zone, really. Um, but I, I, I think that's the biggest name to watch. And we'll know a little bit more tomorrow, I think, We'll talk to, um, you know, Coach uh, Todd Bowles, and we'll see what the practice is like. But that's the name for me I'm circling. 
Yeah, I'm just not crazy concerned about Mike because we've seen him play through so many different injuries, you know, throughout his career. Like, I still remember when he got hurt um, the week before the Thursday night game against the Bears in 2020, and he still went out there and gutted it out and, you know, played pretty well in the game and then obviously got hurt in week 17 before the playoffs when they went to Washington and still played there. So, you know, he's a guy that can play through a lot of pain. And uh, I do think it's telling that he spoke to everyone today and seemed to be doing pretty well. Uh, Didn't sound like anything was bothering too much. He talked a lot about the saints and obviously their history. So he didn't really sound like a guy that um, is in jeopardy of missing the game, but it is definitely something that we will pinpoint on tomorrow's, uh, you know, tomorrow's injury report slash being out of practice. And speaking of pins, if you're going to go bowling, the best place to go and do that, of course, is at Pin Chasers, which it's more than just a bowling alley, ladies and gentlemen. It's a great night out with friends and family. Uh, they have so many different events going on. So make sure you go to pinchasers.net to find out what type of deals they got for you. They got, you know, all you could eat pizza, all you can bowl dollar beers they got brunch on the weekends the food's very underrated from the pizza to the chicken fingers to uh the nachos it's all great food it's more than just a bowling alley it's it's a great fun night out with friends and family Uh, you can book a birthday party for your kid as well um they have an arcade area so the kids can bowl play some video games a little bit of everything for everyone and i know we're in september and the holidays are a ways away, of course, we're talking about Christmas, Hanukkah, and you know, and those holidays in late December. But get on it sooner rather than later if you want to book your company holiday party. Make sure you start doing it soon and do it with pin chasers. They have great prices and great deals for that. And uh it adds up pretty quickly. It gets booked very, very quickly. So I know some people might have it on the back burner right now, but Get on that sooner rather than later. Uh, Pin Chasers has so many great things. The food, they have a bar over there and great different deals. So uh, make sure you go to pinchasers.net. You will not be disappointed with the outcome. So one thing I want to bring up, and um, when it comes to the Saints defense, is you know they allowed 200 rushing yards last game, which is not a typical of a Saints defense. You know, we've we've seen them be be very stout in the run game, but be great, you know, overall uh, on defense. You know, they were fourth in the league in run-stopping defense last year. So for them to allow 200 rushing yards is is very surprising. But then you look at the opponent and the quarterback they're playing against in Marcus Mariota with the Falcons last week, and it does feel like, you know, he's an extremely mobile quarterback. They do a lot of the, you know, run pass option and and faking the handoff and the QB keeps it. So with all that trickery and especially, you know, the first game of the season, I I don't think we can put a ton of stock in the fact that they allowed so much. You can look into the, the, you know, the um, Cordero Patterson situation with how good he ran the ball, but 200, like, I don't, I don't see the Bucks doing that, and I don't look at it as something we could hold a lot of weight for when it comes to the uh, you know this matchup for the Bucks and the Saints. Yeah, I mean, you you look at what they were able to do um, with the, with the Saints. Their run defense has been pretty good over the years, but 
against the Bucks, they've always seemed to get the better of them. You know, they, yeah. they've always been able to stifle uh, the Bucks run, and you know that's going to be a spot of emphasis that they've really looked at and said we need to we need to prove this. We can't let them run all over us like like they did last time. So I'm looking at this at this situation where I, I expect the same the same thing. I expect them to be able to shut down, try to shut down the Bucks run and the Bucks are going to have to be committed to it. They're not going to have to, uh, they're not going to get away from it early. They have to stay a hundred percent committed to establishing that run. So it's going to be really interesting. I think to see how the saints attack uh, the young guys up front who have done a pretty damn good job at stopping the run recently, or I mean, opening up uh, lanes in the running game and they're going to have to come in with Anyamata and Cam Jordan if he's able to go and Marcus Davenport find ways to limit them because if not, if the Bucks get that running game over, it really is going to make them more balanced on offense, and that's something that um, you know the coach has been talking about all week. Yeah, that's something that we haven't seen a ton from the Bucks against the Saints, and they they obviously did it the best in the playoff game, which was run the ball. They haven't had too much success, and it's led to situations where they have to continue to drop back. But I would also be concerned in the fact that, you know, I still go back to the fact that last year in New Orleans, Brady and the Bucks had the ball with, you know, whatever it was, a little over or under two minutes. And they just need to get, you know, the anytime Tom Brady has the ball and has a chance to go and score and win the game, you feel really good about it. But the fact that the Saints were the ones to really make Tom Brady a mortal human being and a guy that um you know a guy that actually throws interceptions it does concern me that if if the Bucks don't establish the run almost right away it, it's going to cause major problems for this team and that's why I don't feel very confident in in the Bucks for this game I'm not going to give my overall prediction because we of course do have the uh pewter preview and predictions coming out uh, tomorrow. So make sure you go to pewterreport.com and check that out. But I think we've gotten to a point with the Bucks and the Saints, whether it's the Brady era or just over the last five years, we've gotten to a point like the Bucks have to prove it. We can't just give them the benefit of the doubt anymore, especially even though Tom Brady's there. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to be able to go out there and execute. Um, and that's something where, the Bucks have struggled recently, and uh, whether it's turnovers, whether it's not being able to get the run going, whether it's not being able to, um, you know, convert on, on third downs, whether it's not being matching the physicality that that we've seen from the Saints, they're going to have to turn this thing around some way or the other. And unfortunately, it's one of these situations where they've got to prove it, right? And, and you know, I think we're in the same spot here where we're. It, you know, show me you can do it. You know, I, I got to see it before I believe it. Um, and, and once you once you do that, then, yeah, OK, we can get on board. But, you know, I'm not sure if this is going to be the week that they are able to do it. We'll have to see. But uh, it's one of those things where they've got their number um, when it counts. They got the win, but they haven't been able to do that in the last seven meetings. Yeah, let's get to a couple Super Chats here, both from Leo. So, Leo, thank you so much for the Super Chats. He gave us a $5 and a $2. Uh, we're going to answer them both right now. Uh, the $5 one says, Kamara and Adebo, 
downgraded to did not participate. The way Leftwich made it sound is wide receivers can miss practice, but be ready for the game. Yeah, I was actually pulling up the quote that Byron Leftwich had about, you know, all the receivers either being out or being injured, uh, you know, with that with practice on, on Wednesday and Thursday. <clears throat> and Leftwich said, well, it's always different. You're hopeful. You hopefully have veteran guys that know how to miss days and still show up for the games, right? Because as the season gets longer, as we add another game, there's elements of that in football. Football is a violent game, violent game. And it's hard to sometimes when you're watching it on TV, you don't understand that. It's a lot of sore bodies on Monday. So you have that throughout the year. That's part of it. That's part of the year. That's part of the season. That's part of being in the National Football League, honestly. That's part of it. Just being able to have longevity with the beating that everyone takes every week. So I think the Bucks have done a good job with keeping their players fresh, whether it's in, it's in training camp and you're giving guys veteran days off, or I think even more throughout the season, like with Tom Brady, and we already saw it, he didn't practice Wednesday. That was more common at the end of the season last year where you could just sign up the, for the fact that Tom Brady wasn't going to practice yeah. on Wednesdays. But I think that's most important. And certain guys are able to do it better than others. Some guys really don't need to practice at all in full honesty. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, getting the, not the playbook, but, you know, the, the, the game plan, the scheme, interacting in meetings. Some guys, that's all they need. Other guys need the repetitions in practice. Yeah, It's all about like, are you a visual learner or do you have to learn by, you know, actually doing stuff. So um, I do think the bucks are definitely capable of being that team that doesn't need to practice together all of the time. It is a concern though. Like I'm not worried when it comes to Brady and Mike and Brady and Chris, but Julio and Russell Gage, obviously Brady hit it off with Julio pretty well in that first contest. So, um, but with Russell Gage, obviously didn't have a ton of action in, in the, the first game against the Cowboys. That would be something that I'd be looking into a little bit more with, uh, okay, hopefully if he's healthy, they can go out and practice. Right. Yeah, I agree. And, and we, let's get to We have our special guest here in the lobby too. Let's bring him in. Go ahead. Yeah. Joining the show right now. We'll bring him on in just a moment. Uh, as we transition here, I just want to get to the other super chat real quick from Leo. Um, he said, Saints are a different team when Kamara doesn't play. I don't necessarily 100% agree with that. Um, I think the Bucks have done a good job of shutting down Alvin Kamara when he's in the game. That's obviously Jameis Winston right there. There's Alvin Kamara. Um, but I think when they, you know, when they get to Alvin Kamara, um, he hasn't destroyed the box like Kamara has with other teams. But, you know, we can discuss that a little bit more. And uh, joining us the show right now, very happy to have him on. It is former NFL wide receiver Terrence Copper, who also has a uh, Saints podcast on the Believe Network, if I'm not mistaken. Terrence, thank you so much for joining the show. How are you doing this afternoon? What's up, fellas? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for being yeah. here. Our pleasure. Yeah. Our pleasure. So uh, 
before we get into Bucks Saints, why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast and just uh, you know your career playing in the NFL? I was saying earlier on the show you played your college ball at ECU, and then uh, in the NFL you played with the Cowboys, the Saints, Ravens, and Chiefs. So what was that experience just being an NFL player? Because uh, we weren't uh, lucky enough to experience that. Uh, it was a definitely amazing, amazing experience. Um, I wouldn't take anything back from it. You know, I enjoyed everywhere I played at. I enjoyed playing in New Orleans, uh, Kansas City, Cowboys, and Baltimore. I love everywhere I played, you know. So, uh, and I also have a podcast called Believe in Saints on the Believe Network. Uh, you can listen to that show uh, on any of your social media platforms. Uh, I also own a sports academy in Winterville, North Carolina, where we train athletes from six years old to, to the pros. We have school programs, summer programs. Um, I also do the the pregame show for East Carolina University as well. So, uh, so I'm kind of busy down here a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know? it very much sounds like it. I was actually watching that uh, that first East Carolina game of the season mm -hmm. when they played NC State. That was a very entertaining one. Unfortunately, didn't go your guys' way at the end there. But uh, I right. like that quarterback that they have. He seems like he's you know he's been there for a while. Seems like he's got it all. Uh, he's got it all together. Definitely. He's, he's definitely a stand-up guy. He definitely is. My buddy run, runs, I think, the social department down there, Carlos Javier. I don't know if you know him, Carlos, but he just moved there from the ACC I, network. I probably know his face. I'm terrible with names, but I probably know his face if I see him. Yeah, definitely. So uh, what made you start covering the Saints? I mean, I, obviously you played for multiple different teams, and mm -hmm. you're from the Carolina area. So, you know, close to New Orleans, but not exactly – like right next door. What um what what got you into covering New Orleans? I love New Orleans. When I was in New Orleans, I just loved the team. I loved the city. I loved the atmosphere. Uh, and I just loved the Saints. I, I'm a I'm a Saints guy at heart, and that's that's why when I was wanting to cover, so I wanted to cover the Saints because I I felt so close to the, to New Orleans when I was there. And even once I left and I go back to visit, you know, it's still that same feel. So that's why I chose New Orleans. Good stuff. So when you look at this matchup between the Bucs and the Saints, obviously, when it comes to the regular season, the Saints have had the, the Bucs number for, you know, multiple years. The last time the Bucs beat the Saints in the regular season, Ryan Fitzpatrick was the starting quarterback for the Bucs. So we're talking about uh, a, a, quite a while ago. Now, granted, when it mattered most, the Bucs went and got the victory. But just in your opinion, from your eyes watching the games, uh, especially in, in the Brady era, what has been the biggest thing that you could point to or turn to that would say this is the reason why the Saints have really gotten the better of the Bucks and Tom Brady? I think it's not necessarily personnel. I just think uh, Coach Allen is his nemesis. I think whatever Coach Dennis Allen does defensively, it messes him up. Uh, and don't get me wrong, Tom Brady is the best quarterback to ever lived. He's the best one to do it. But everybody had their nemesis, and I just think it's something about how Dennis Allen is disguising his defenses, uh, how he's picking apart the things that Tom Brady maybe has struggled in, and he's exploiting it. Uh, so that's why I feel like that is the biggest difference. I think it's it's the defensive schemes that's going on that's really slowing down Tom Brady and the things that he wanted to get done. Yeah, and, and, you know, talking about that, you know, we were just talking about the running game, how the Bucks have failed to be able to get the running game going against the Saints, which is really allowing Dennis Allen to be more creative and, and you know, get after the quarterback more and put that pressure uh, schematically on Tom Brady. 
when you look at that, do you think if the Bucks can come in here, commit to the run, get the ball ball moving on the ground game, do you think that's one way to kind of break what Dennis Allen's been able to do to Brady? Definitely. I think that goes for both teams. I think both teams have to establish a run game because if you get if you get to be one-dimensional, the Saints, they're going to pin their ears back and just keep coming. And the same thing for, for the Bucks. If the Saints get one-dimensional and just want to throw it their entire time and we can't establish a run game, that's a recipe for disaster. So I think both teams coming into this game has to establish the run game. And last week, uh, Leonard Fournette had over 100 yards rushing. So it yeah. seems like they're going to get back to that because it worked. And I think New Orleans may do the exact same thing because for me personally, watching the game last week, I felt like we had we got bullied a little bit early in the first half by the Falcons. So I, yeah. think, so I think they're going to make a statement to come out to be more physical. And what way to be more physical than running the ball? Yeah, the, I mean, the Falcons did what the Falcons do, and that was, you know, choking at the end of the game when Mariota fumbled it on third and one. And, you know, I was so surprised watching that game and, you know, looking back at it and, and checking the stats and everything. Like, the Saints have a stout defense across the board, whether you want to talk about Onyemata or Cam Jordan. Demario Davis, I personally really enjoy watching because I grew up a Jets fan and he was great with the Jets. And of course, you know, any good player leaves the Jets. And, uh, you know, you talk about Lattimore too, but it was so interesting because, you know, the Saints were fourth in the league and stopping the run last year. And then when you see them allow 200 rushing yards, that's not what the Saints do on defense. But how much of that was the fact that they were going up against Marcus Mariota who obviously is a mobile quarterback. That's not something they're going to have to worry about with Brady. How much of that was just, you know, you know, the QB option, not running the option, but, you know, deciding whether to hand it off or, or keep it. And just the fact that Mariota can really run and scramble and, you know, they're not going to have to deal with that with Brady. Uh, you know what? I think that, uh, I think that was a big part of it. Uh, Mariota bit a, a mobile quarterback because, and one thing you can't do, you can't take anything away from him. I didn't think he was going to play that well, to be honest with you. Yeah. Be honest with you. <laughs> he came out and played his butt off. Also, their coaching staff called a great game. Uh, but at the end of the day, I feel like they just out-physicaled us. Uh, that's why they was able to get as many running yards, as many rushing yards as they did. They, they just out-physicaled us. They, they wanted it more than we did. Uh, I think the second half we came out and we, we did what we were supposed to do to get the win. But in that first half, they really – jumped on us and they beat us down physically and it wasn't just Mariota it was uh Patterson as well and, and if, but if you yeah. look back if you look back to last year they came in New Orleans last year and beat us as well so uh, I, I think that division rivalry you know anything can happen with that division rivalry yeah and you look at it with, with you know last year you know when we were watching Winston it was they were playing it very safe with him very safe. And, and you know, obviously they were trying to come from behind, but it seemed like that fourth quarter, they almost took the training wheels off of him. I mean, he completed mm -hmm. throws of 40, 31, 26, 21, 20, 20, 17. And, you know, a lot of those, some of those throws came to Landry deep with 40 and 31 yard completions. And that's not mm -hmm. necessarily known as Landry's game. He's more the, you know, uh, uh, over the middle, you know, uh, possession guy. So mm -hmm. do you expect that? to be the case is to keep him limited until you need need him to go or do you expect Winston to be throw, throwing deep and and you know kind of doing that out of the gate because it looked like they were hesitant with him in the beginning of the game but they needed it so they had to have him throw it deep and that's when he really started to take those shots because he didn't have any completions over you know 15 yards that whole first second and third quarter I think sometimes the game plan that you go in with 
it's a good game plan because you study it. But of course, adjustments have to be made. And I think New Orleans are one of the better teams. Their coaching staff is one of the better teams of making those adjustments, especially at halftime. Those when I was watching the game, I was like, man, these first 15 plays that the Falcons are throwing at us, you know, are are great play calls. And then I looked at what we was doing. I was like, man, we got to get it going. But early in the game, we was getting sacked every possession. Every time we got the ball early in the game, we was getting sacked. Uh, so that was knocking you out of staying ahead of the chains when you're playing in that type of that type of arena. So it really just comes down to making those adjustments. And that's what uh, Coach Pete did as well, the offensive coordinator, make great adjustments during halftime. And that is the biggest thing when it comes to uh, NFL teams and, and withstanding the storm, which the Falcons brought early in the game. But once halftime came, I think the Saints did a great job of making adjustments and opening the playbook up more. Yeah, that, that's something I wanted to ask you was the, the offensive line of the Saints because obviously Jameis went off in the fourth quarter, but you know as you mentioned, in the first half, it was a struggle. They were getting to Jameis, and it seemed like um, you know the, the Saints are pretty pretty well stacked as far as offensive tackle. Like Ryan Ramchick is, is a very good tackle, and, and Hurst is, is solid as well, where it seemed like the struggle really looked to be on the interior offensive line, whether it was Cesar Ruiz at right guard or, or Andres Pete. Um, is that an area where the Bucks might have a, have an advantage with Vita Vea up front, Akeem Hicks, and Logan Hall? Because it's interesting, because last week when the Bucks played the Cowboys, uh, the Cowboys had injuries to offensive tackles, so that's where they really took advantage was the outside with guys like Shaq Barrett and Joe Tryon Shoenka. And not that the interior defensive line played bad by any means, but they weren't like the standout unit. This week, I kind of think this is where Vita Vea, who did have a sack last week, but I really think this is where Vea is going to take over this week, along with Akeem Hicks, who is a, a new addition. If they're going to get to Jameis, does it seem like attacking the center and the two guards is probably the best way to go about that? Well, well, playing the teams like the Bucks, uh, it doesn't matter, you know, what offensive line they're going against. You know, <laughs> they have a good defensive line, you know, they can get there. So, but the problems with, with our offensive line really wasn't all in our offensive line. Of course, everybody have their issues, uh, whether it's O-line, D-line, everybody have their issues. But a lot of those sacks came from not our offensive line. It came from our running backs not stepping up and taking on the blitz. They was going to the wrong person uh, in certain blitz packages, and the running, yeah. backs wasn't, the running backs wasn't picking up their guy for the blitz. So even though Jameson was getting sacked, it looks bad on the offensive line. But at the end of the day, it wasn't the offensive line. It was gotcha. – I know, I know twice it was the running backs looking at it. He got sacked four times, and the two times that I saw it, it was definitely on the running backs. It was not the offensive line. Very interesting. JC, you have anything else for Terrence? Uh, just, you know, a, a last question to close it out, but if you have something, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to, and again, we really appreciate your time and thank you for, uh, for coming on the podcast. I just want to ask you, obviously you as a wide receiver know a thing or two about playing in the NFL and, uh, just looking at the saints, it seems like as far as wide receiver goes, and you could talk about tight end and, and running back as well, but offensively, it seems like this is a more stacked room talent-wise that they've had, particularly at wide receiver, than they have in the past couple seasons, whether it's Michael Thomas being healthy. I really like Chris Olave. I really liked mm -hmm. him coming out in the draft. And, you know, Darvis Landry made the big catch on that last drive. Um, is this one of the more talented receiver groups you've seen over the last couple of years, especially with, with Jameis at quarterback? 
Oh, definitely. By far. Uh, the depth of this receiving group is is amazing. Uh, and I think all of them complement each other. They all do different things. They all can run different routes. Uh, you know, you got Thomas that's more of a possession type receiver that can make those big, tough catches. You got Olave that's, that's a speeder that can run every route. You got Landry that's the that's the crafty vet that's very crafty when it comes to his routes and, and he can still make plays for you. He's still a great receiver. So just having those three, you know, then you sprinkle in a little bit of Alvin that you can put yeah. him in a slot sometimes. You can run screen plays with him. Uh, so the depth of this team is just unbelievable. But like I said, but they got to come and put it together all four quarters because the the way we beat the Falcons, like there, there's no such thing as ugly wins in the NFL. It's just get the win. And that's we don't care about how we want it. Let's get the win. But we can't come out against a Bucks team that has the offensive firepower with Tom Brady at the helm the way we did last week and expect to win. And how much are you looking forward to the matchup between Carlton Davis and Michael Thomas? Uh, there's a little bit of bad blood that goes back to that divisional rounds. And Carlton was tweeting at Michael Thomas after the game. Unfortunately, Thomas was hurt last year, so we didn't get that rematch. But is that something you're going to be uh, looking forward to watching on Sunday? Oh, definitely, definitely. You love watching stuff like that, especially when a little bit of junk talking is going in between your receivers and your DBs or whoever it is. You always, you always keep a close eye on that to see who's actually going to win that battle. So uh, that'd be definitely something to watch. And and as far as like you know, this is a rival. You played with some in on some teams with huge rivalries. You know, uh, the Cowboys. You know, pretty much any, anyone in the NFC East is a rivalry. Rival <laughs> right. to them. But um, what is it? What is does We've asked the players, we've asked the coaches, like, yeah, not so much, a little bit, whatever. In the locker room, you're playing this team that's been your rival that you haven't beaten or, or whatnot, this history. How much does that get you up as a player this week? You know, it gets you up. Um, but rivalries, tell you something about rivalries. Of course, I feel like the Cowboys and the Redskins have the longest rivalry. Uh, I also feel like uh, New Orleans have a, a tough rivalry with the Falcons. But the toughest rivalry I've ever experienced, where players know it's going to be crazy, uh, the fans know it's going to be crazy, is the Steelers and the Ravens. Mm -hmm. To this day, there yeah. is not another rivalry that is as more physical and intense as that rivalry game. But players usually kind of keep calm and understand that it's going to be a tough game because of rivalry or division opponent. But we try to keep an even kill, uh, but understanding the importance of it. But man, the Ravens and the Steelers, that that's different. Like oh, you yeah. gotta bring your you gotta bring your lunch pail when you come to that game, and you already know it. <laughs> Just to kind of close that out too, and again, thank you so much for your time. Um, the weaknesses: if the Bucks are gonna win this game, what are the Saints' weaknesses they need to attack? What are the keys to the game for them? What are the keys to the game for the Saints to come out with a victory? And then we'll close it out with your prediction. You know what the crazy thing about it is we kind of talked about it earlier. They both have to run the ball. Mm -hmm. You cannot become one-dimensional with these defenses. They're just too good uh, talent. They're too good of a talent all across the board, offensively and defensively. Right. So they have to – both teams have to establish the run. If you can establish the run and you get limited to – and you having Jamison throwing the ball 40 times, uh, that's a recipe for disaster. Uh, or the same thing with, with Brady because, if I'm not mistaken, y'all have some injuries on your offensive line as well. Right. You know, so you don't want to get them younger guys with those backups, especially the interior of it, uh, to where Brady just got to throw the ball and the pressure is right in his face, not coming off the edge because Brady struggles with pressure in his face. So both teams have to establish the run game if they want to come away victorious. 
Hey, you want to give us a game prediction? Are you there yet? Oh, okay. Game prediction. I'm going to go with 21-17 New Orleans. Oof. Okay. I do think it's going to be low scoring as well, just right. as you mm-hmm. said, with emphasis on running the ball. I think both teams have great defenses, so I do think mm-hmm. you're going to see a uh, you know definitely a lower scoring type of game, much like the Bucks had last week. Terrence, can't thank you enough for joining the show. Can you let everyone know again where they can find you, your social media and everything like that? Yes, you can find me on Twitter at T Copper. You can also uh, find us on Believe in Saints on all your social media networks or on Facebook at Terrence Copper as well. All right. Awesome. Thank you very much, Terrence. And uh, have fun watching the game on Sunday. Appreciate you coming on the show. All right. Thanks, fellas. That was Terrence, and thank you again to Terrence for coming on the show. In the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you about Pirate Republic Beer, the presenting beer of the Pewter Report podcast. So many, well, there are a variety of different flavors. Of course, you got the Long John Pilsner there. And uh, like I said, it's the official beer of Pewter Report because it's a natural fit. Based out of the Nassau, Bahamas, Pirate Republic is now invading Florida just in time for football season. Beer brings people together to celebrate life. That means celebrating life in the spirit of the original pirate code. And that's a sense of belonging. Pirate Republic is a community of people living life on their terms. Long John Pilsner is perfect for tailgating or having fun at the beach in the Florida sun. Personally, it's my favorite. Uh, Take No Quarter is the best IPA you'll drink. And drop an orange slice in the golden haze of piracy Belgian wit beer and enjoy the pirate life. Pirate Republic beer is available at participating retailers like Total Wine and more, Lucan's Liquors, Party Liquors, and select ABC stores in the greater Tampa Bay area and is expanding across the state of Florida. Live life on your terms and drink like a pirate with Pirate Republic beer. Good stuff from Terrence Copper there, JC. Um, We only had him for a little bit of time, so we can only get to so many questions. But... It is interesting that he said that, uh, you know, the Saints are going to have to establish the run against the Bucs because that's obviously a very difficult thing to do against this team. Right. It's very difficult. And, you know, the, the Saints had a total of 151 rushing yards with Taysom Hill. Oh, I, I was stuck in traffic. I was literally running in here. Or yeah. outside. It was funny. I had Scott right in front of me, too. Scott Reynolds of Peter Report was right in front of me. It was him. Wow. It How was. funny is that? We were stuck in traffic, but, you know, Taysom Hill led the team with 81 rushing yards, but 57 of those came on one play. And we know the Bucs are usually pretty good at limiting big running plays. They might let you, you know, hit you with a couple paper cuts here and there, 17, but they're not usually don't let up those long gains. So if you take their rushing, they've only had 94 yards last week if you take that big play out. So, you know, establishing the run is always going to be a difficult feat for any team against the Bucs, especially when you – Add in guys like, you know, Vita Vea and Akeem Hicks, who replaces Nadam Kasu, who was so efficient at it. And you don't lose anything there with him, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Akeem Hicks, you gain, you, you don't lose anything in the run game, but you gain so much in the pass rush game and, and all size and, spe- and speed and everything like that. So it's going to be difficult for them. One thing I think both of these teams need to improve on, though, is third downs. Like, yeah. the Saints only completed three of 14 attempts on third downs, and the Bucks only completed five out of um five out of 14 attempts so both of these teams really struggled on third down 
And if, you know, part of part of utilizing that running game and establishing the run is you still got to be able to make these third down conversions. So you don't want to you want to establish the run, but you wanted to handicap yourself to where you're getting third and longs. And, and, and now you're having to pass convert. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they have that balance. And that's what we've what we've talked about and what Brady's talked about, and what this team has talked about is balance of being multiple um, all week long. And and. You know, we'll see what the game plan is and how they start the game out on against the Saints on Sunday afternoon. JC, you're the right person to ask for this. Um, it does feel like this team in particular in the third season of Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, this does seem a lot like a New England style of offense that Brady obviously played a lot with over two decades with the Patriots. That's running the ball, a little more balance, and granted. Tom, with this team, a lot more talent at receiver with the exception of the Randy Moss year. Just a lot more talent at receiver than he's really ever had. But the fact that they're putting such an emphasis on running and playing good defense, does it feel like it's kind of like what he has done for most of his career with, with the Patriots? I don't know if I'd say most of his career, but I think it, it is bearing a lot of similarities to that 2018 season, the one where they beat the Rams in the Super Bowl, uh, where LeGarrette Blunt had 18 <laughs> touchdowns running the ball. They were a powerhouse runner, but still could beat you to the air if you needed Tom too. Um, you know, I think the difference is obviously the weapons. Once they're all healthy and out on the field at the same yeah. time, it's going to change things. But the onus was there was we need to take pressure. You know, you had, you know, young guys starting on the offensive line. I believe it was Isaiah Wynn's first year at left tackle. Um, you know, you had David Andrews. I think that was his first year as an undrafted free agent starting at center. So you had some young guys on that offensive line that you needed to that were better run blockers and pass protectors um, and establishing the run that way and, and getting, you know, uh, LeGarrette Blunt really moving and, and being the focal point of that offense allowed things to happen. And now they had Julian Edelman. I think they had Danny Amendola that year. And, you know, I mean, after Julian Edelman, the, the names on that list aren't that good. And I yeah. think there's at least two to three receivers on this Bucks team that are probably better than Julian Edelman ever was in his career. Um, including Julio Jones. So <laughs> once everyone's healthy and able to go out there and, and they have the offense they envisioned with all their wide receivers healthy, running backs healthy, and the ground game is established, I think we might see a little bit of a difference from that season. But sure, the onus is to keep Tom you know, from throwing 50 passes a game, to keep him from absorbing all those hits. He's 45 years old, and while nobody takes better care of their body than Tom Brady um, – you know, he's still on his Monday Let's Go podcast. You know, I, I felt those hits, you know, they were yeah. a little more than I usually do. Today he said he's fine. You know, he feels great. Um, <laughs> like he's going to tell us he doesn't feel great anyways. But um, I, I think that is one thing that we'll see some parallels to that 2018 season where it was about getting the run game. It was about protecting Brady. It was about having those young offensive linemen and hiding some of their deficiencies. And I, I think that's what we'll see this season for sure. Yeah, I definitely think there are similarities. I want to get back to Lenny for one second, because I, I was asked about this uh, yesterday. And, you know, Lenny has shown that he can be a three down back in this in this system. He pretty much was for a majority of, of Sunday night's game. Rashad White got some rushing attempts at the end. But do you think it's a good idea for Lenny to be this three down back, the bell cow, if you will? For the entire season, like when the going gets tough in the nitty gritty in December and January, yeah, you want Leonard Fournette to be that guy. 
But just in the NFL, we heard Byron Leftwich talk about it, Tom Brady. Guys get hit so much, especially the running back position. That an injury, especially to a running back, is going to happen you know, more often than not. So I don't know if it's the best idea to have Lenny be that third down, that three down back so early in the season, as effective as he was. I mean, there's no arguing the production. He had 152 rushing yards on the ground, and the Bucs did a great job. On the flip side, though, you could argue the inexperience. And I understand Giovanni Bernard is there in the running back room. But Giovanni Bernard, at this point in his career, is a receiving running back who doesn't get many rushing attempts. So you're looking at the rest of the running back room. It's Rashad White, who's a rookie. And obviously, we're all very high on Rashad White. But that's a big ask for a guy to, you know, be the number two running back in in a system where... Uh, I think the running backs are relied a lot more than than other offenses. And Keyshawn Vaughn, who had some play last year, but you know he's he's a third, fourth string guy uh, in this offense. Can they get by with Lenny doing this for the entire season, or should they mix in Rashad White a little bit more, or should Keyshawn Vaughn get some reps because he did have the big run against the Panthers and had some starting opportunities when they played the Jets last Looked year? Good in preseason what do you think? as well. Um... Yeah, you know, I, I think the I think the the plan is to use Lenny early in the season, like they're doing, to establish that this is a team to be feared when they're running the ball as much as they are to be passing the ball. I think that's kind of what they would like to do. Um, and Lenny's come along; he, he's always been a terrific receiver, uh, going back to his yeah. you know Jacksonville Jaguars say, but he's come a long way as a pass protector as well. You don't lose anything with him on the field out there. Um, but I think what they're really trying to do, especially over this first four-game stretch, is say, hey, we're going to go against some really t- difficult teams, some difficult teams in the next you know, three opponents that can stop the run and, and, our, and our factors there. And we're going to use Lenny and we're going to establish the run. Then I think you'll probably see some more Rashad White mixed in to keep those legs fresh. Once you have teams that know that, okay, this team can run the ball at will at any time, then they have to plan for that. They have to fear for that. They have to game plan around that. They're not just game planning for Tom Brady throwing the ball, you know, to his wide receivers. They're like balance. It's I think that's the word of the week, Matt. Can we can we agree? Balance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, balance Agreed. and multiple. You know, those are the words <laughs> of the week. And and for this first four game stretch, uh, Brady always talks about it. You know, this first four game stretch, you feel it's a feeling out phase. You're finding yep. your identity. You don't really know what your identity is. And I think what the Bucks want to establish that to themselves and to the league that we can run the ball just as well as we can pass the ball. And what in doing so it prevents teams from, you know, playing, you know, off coverage and having a bunch of guys in the, in, in the secondary making plays It prevent, it prevents them from giving any certain one look because they have to be prepared for everything they're going to bring. And while the, the Bucks were a decent running team last season, <laughs> They weren't great at it, you know. Right. They, you know, they, especially they, against good opponents in meaningful games. Right. They only averaged about eighty-two yards a game, three point three yards per carry. That's not. That's not enough. That's not going to do do it for the season. So, you know, they've got to they've got to establish it with Lenny because he's their top dog. He's their seven million dollar mm. man. And then we'll see Rashad White. I think sprinkled a lot more in to keep those legs fresh for postseason Lenny. And September is always the you know sloppiest month of football, especially right. now when no one plays in the preseason. So right. it really benefits to have a you know a defense that 
already looks to be in regular season form or mid, you know, middle of the season form with the Bucks defense. So hopefully they can get a couple more turnovers uh, in this Sunday's game. What yeah, I will Nate, t- yeah I was, go ahead. I was gonna say, Nate makes a great point here in the comments too. Using two to three, three tight end sets is going to allow them to be more physical. It's going to help with pass protection when they go out there. You feel like you've got some capable, you know, wide receivers in, in Kate Otten, you know, He's been targeted. Yeah, no, I was saying that yesterday. That like, if and we don't know yet if Donovan Smith is going to play, and if he doesn't, it, it's Josh Wells. Right. And the Bucks got in trouble with this. I think last season you saw it Sunday, where like they had Wells go one on one against Micah Parsons, and right. you just can't do that for you know the longevity of a game. If you have to match protect or have a tight end in there, that's fine. Like I don't know if it's an ego thing or bravado, but I understand you want to have confidence in your guys, but. You got to help them out too. If that means keeping Cole Keith or Kate Otten, whoever it is, you know, you have to make sure you protect Brady because you are going to have to pass the ball. It's 2022. You're not just going to run it a hundred times unless it's an extremely windy game, which <laughs> won't be in the which won't be the case because you're in the Superdome. But with Leonard Fournette, whether he's a three down back or a two down back, I'm definitely taking him in the head to head over Alvin Kamara when it comes to uh, doing the pickums. On underdog fantasy, which you should be doing because it goes throughout the entire season. Underdog fantasy is the easiest way to get some action on the NFL with their pick'em game. Just pick an over and under on your favorite or least favorite player stats. Or you could do the head-to-head where you pick one player from one team and another from uh, the team they're playing against. And you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players to fill out your pick'em slip. Get every pick right and take home some cold, hard cash. Ooh. Use the promo code Pewter. Get your first deposit matched up to $100 by Underdog Fantasy. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you can totally understand that. So you just need to pick between two and five uh, picks. I came very close last week. I, I had three. I did the... What did I do? I did... Leonard Fournette to have over five and a half more rushing yards than uh, than Ezekiel Elliott. I had Dak Prescott under 290 and a half yards. That hit as well. But I did bet the over on passing attempts from Tom Brady, even though we've been talking about how much they're going to, to run it. So I learned my lesson there. I probably won't be taking Brady in the, uh, you know, in the over passing attempts department there but it came very close so make sure you do the pickups on underdog fantasy very fun i'll be giving out my picks on sunday as well and you could also do a uh, a daily fantasy pick them you know you could do a pick them for the thursday night game tonight with the chargers and the chiefs you could do a full slate of sunday games so uh while the long-term season draft has is done you could still do three dollar five dollar twenty dollars a hundred dollar games on underdog fantasy with right. the daily fantasy on Sunday. So again, use the promo code pewter to get in on all those deals. Those are some pretty good deals, JC. And you can play in Florida, which is a big, big, yes, uh, that's a huge, it's... huge advantage over some other, uh, you know, other publications as we'll right. say. So JC, as exactly. we wind down here, um, is there anything that we haven't covered or talked about over the past couple of days? Something you might be, really keying in on. I mean, I'm very excited for Carlton versus Michael Thomas. I think that's going to be amazing. We've talked a lot about the defensive fronts. Um, I don't think we've talked a lot about, you know, we mentioned the other wide receivers, but I think this is a big week for Jamel Dean because it was one thing going up against the the Cowboys 
yeah, wide receivers. But now with Olave, yeah, and and Jarvis Landry, this is a much much bigger uh, situation for him, and to the point where. Bucks defensive coordinator Larry Foote, he gave a ton of praise for Jamel Dean. He said the game is very slow for him right now. And that's a good thing for a corner because you're seeing everything. And uh, he was saying, like, how great he's looked and went on and on about him. And then he said in general, he wasn't talking about Jamel Dean, but it's a separate question. But he did say, the guys in the locker room know this is a tougher challenge this week than the Cowboys were. So I think Jamel Dean is uh i wouldn't go as far as to say an x factor but he's definitely a guy where uh it could it could help impact the game depending on how he looks on sunday yeah and Olave played the most snaps out of any wide receiver for the saints too so he's going to be on the field a lot he's got that deep speed he doesn't offer too much as you know yards after the catch wise but he can get behind you and you know i think dean will play a majority of the time matched upon him there might be some series where he's matched up on Landry, who usually plays out of the slot, but that's going to be a good test for Winfield too because Landry, as I said, 40-yard 40, 40 catch, 31-yard catch, that's really not hasn't been part of Landry's game the past couple seasons with the Browns. He's more been that that yeah. true possession guy who you know mm-hmm. makes the catch to move the chains. Um, obviously, red zone is going to be huge. Uh, the, the Saints struggled to get there in the beginning of the game, but when they did, they were 3-3 three and three in the red zone where the Bucs were just 1-5 and four, one and five, actually. No, 1-4. and four. One and four. Yeah, one and four. <laughs> so, I mean, they've got they've got to be better in the red zone. But, you know, I again, the Carlton Davis and Michael Thomas matchup. I'm here for the rivalries because it's not yeah. just Saints versus Bucks. It's not just Carlton Davis versus Michael Thomas. There's a handful of rivalries on here. And it's, you know, uh, Mike Evans versus Marshawn Lattimore. And mm-hmm. if Donovan Smith can play him versus Cam Jordan. So, you know, I'm here for those. I, I, I think there's a good chance Donovan Smith plays. I think there's still a good chance, even though he was uh, didn't practice today with Mike Evans, that he's a really good chance he plays something to monitor with both of those guys. I think they'll probably both be game time decisions. They don't want to tip their hat any much, which one way or the other. And yeah. uh, those are things that I'm looking for because, you know, can Mikey keep his composure? Uh, can Donovan, <laughs> who played as a top six left tackle in the league last season, can he keep that up against Cam Jordan, you know, even with the elbow? So, uh, you know, it's just Saints week is so much fun. You go on Twitter, you see all the, the back and yeah, forth. Yeah, yeah. A lot of back and forth, um, uh, a lot of disses, a lot of like deep stuff too, where I was like, ooh, right. like that's oh, uh is that crossing the line? Maybe got, a little bit, but uh you got the loose cannons banning things and food yeah, items. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> it's always funny seeing that when they do that um so every it's, single it's a lot week. Of fun this week. Yeah, there's a, still a lot more to get into, which we will on Sunday. This is a reminder for everyone, we have the Celsius Pewter Report Tailgate Show, live at Walk-Ons and presented by Age Rejuvenation. This will be at the Walk-Ons in Midtown. We're very excited about that. It'll start two hours prior to kickoff, so this is a 1 o'clock game. So uh, the, the the show will start at 11 o'clock. Scott Reynolds, J.C. Allen, John mm-hmm. Gilmore, I think Bailey Adams might be in the mix as well. They're going to go over everything. Bucks offense versus Saints defense. Bucks defense for Saints offense. So many great stuff. Uh, a ton of awesome, awesome insight and analysis. So if you just can't wait for Bucks football on Sunday and you're just counting down the minutes and the seconds, uh, you know, you watch Fox or ESPN or some of the other publications, they talk about every single game. So you only get a little sliver of Buccaneers conversation. Not here, not on the Celsius Pewter Report tailgate show. Live out of walk-ons presented by Age Rejuvenation. You get 
all Bucks talk the entire time, especially when it's a one o'clock game. There's no other NFL games going on just yet. So make sure you check that out. It was a great show last week. It'll be another great show this week. And then when that's done, we're not done either. Then we will have the Pewter Game Day show presented by Celsius. That'll be myself and Casey Hudson. That starts right at kickoff at 1 o'clock. We're going to be reacting, giving our analysis to every single play that goes on in the game. We had a ton of fun last week. Looking forward to it again on Sunday at 1 o'clock. So make sure you go and check that out. It's going to be awesome. You could go hang out with us at the Midtown Walk-Ons. Again, at 11 o'clock. It's pretty close to Raymond James Stadium. Obviously, it's a road game for the Bucks, but pretty close to Ray J. If you want to go over there, say hi. They'll be handing out free Celsius. Got we'll have a swag. couple other sponsors out there. Get some swag. Get some pewter report swag as well. So uh, all of that great stuff there. And then watch us. Yeah, watch us on YouTube. The food really is fantastic. I've been there multiple times. You got to love the fact that there is, uh, you know, happy hour all day on Tuesday show. So Make sure you go check that out as well. And one last thing, make sure you like and subscribe. Hit that like button. Helps us with our algorithm. Let's you know when we have some new content. We had a uh, film breakdown from the very talented Josh Capo this yeah. morning. All about Julio Jones and his impact in the offense uh, in week one. So we always got a lot of great stuff coming out. And we love all of you computer people. So for JC Allen, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks everyone for watching. We will see you on Sunday for another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Out. Out.